I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Kyle. He has OCD. Let's talk about it. These are my favorite favorite types of conversations. It does feel good to do it in person. In person. It's always better to do it in person. Yeah. It's fan- in fantastic. Person. And they're Absolutely. always they're always uh you don't notice you don't notice that it's that it's not as good when it's over the internet, but right. you notice that it's better yeah. when it's in person. Yeah. And uh very lucky for us, we're uh we're recording in person today with Kyle Moore. We've got a we've got a fucking celebrity. Wow. In our midst today, boys. <laughs> wow. Uh, a real celebrity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big brother royalty over Reality here. Celebrity. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is big for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie. This uh, is, this is going to change things. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Welcome to the big leagues. Uh, but uh, more importantly than that, not only were you on Big Brother, Kyle, but you're also uh, the host of your own podcast. Yes. Life's a Wreck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we're super stoked to have you here. So thanks thank for, you. thanks for joining us. Thank you. This is, this is exciting. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Give, is... your, give yourself a little intro. Let people know who you are, what, sure. what, what you're all about. Um, I feel like this is probably just start shaking like existential dread. Like, who am I? Um, yeah. So fundamentally, uh, funda- uh, break it, break it down. Who is Kyle? Um, we got some tissue over there if you start crying about it, but, uh, good, yeah. good. All right. Just bring it all the way back. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is Kyle Moore. I grew up in uh, a small town, rural New Brunswick. Um, I've got uh, anxiety and OCD. It's kind of uh, what prompted this whole mental health journey that I've been on for the past uh, three and a half, four years. Um, yeah, there, I don't know. There's a lot to get into. I mean, like it's, uh, yeah, I've got my own podcast that was, uh, you know, that's that's such a passion project. I just absolutely love that. That's the best. And uh, yeah, recently, just uh, last year, we competed on Big Brother Canada. And uh, don't want to, uh, I know we're, you know, I mean, it's week four. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how many weeks are, I, I used to watch it more than four. <laughs> I used to watch it religiously too. In high school, I was yeah. like, I, I had a crush on a girl named Holly. And we would hang out and watch Big Brother, and I was like, "I'm definitely gonna like be this girl's boyfriend." And, uh, never really worked out, um, but I did love Big Brother, and uh, and yeah, it was more than four weeks, but it's like it's yeah. what, it's it? I think it's twelve weeks in total, okay, sure, sure, give sure, or take, yeah, okay. a little bit more, a little bit less some seasons, but, right? So yeah. You, so yeah, not even halfway. Nope, not quite. But you know what? <laughs> I feel like, and I feel like we're gonna get into this. Yeah, I feel like that probably was for the best. Oh yeah, um, but uh, but I don't want to get too too far ahead of ourselves. Sure. Uh, yeah. Again, life's a wreck. It's yeah. your podcast, so people, yep. you know, while you're listening to this right now, if you're listening on your phone, pick up your phone, go to Spotify, go to Apple Podcasts, look up Life's a Wreck, give it a subscribe, give it a follow. Thank you. Um, tell also, us about the pod. I, I, like, I just want to say too, I know Kyle, you've also been doing uh, a lot of Instagram lives. Uh, in fact, yeah. right every right. Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday's a wreck. Wednesday's a wreck. And yeah. I've loved tuning into those. I, Thank you. It, it's been awesome. Do you want to also 
tell our listeners a little bit about Wednesday's Erec? Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, thank the you. The way Jim. you said that, Brian, sounded like you said Wednesday's Erect. <laughs> that's okay. It's that's be, what I was meaning to call It's become a problem because that's you're not the first person to say that. So um, life's a wreck. Um, I've had a few people kind of be like, yeah, like life's hard, you know, like it's, uh, <laughs> I've, gotten the, I've gotten the jokes. Um, but uh, yeah, Wednesday's a wreck. So the podcast is, is, you know, just a very kind of casual foray into the world of mental health. When I was growing up, I found that like anytime we would have people come and talk about mental health. It was always like you had somebody come in. They did a huge presentation in the theater. It was like all black and like doom and gloom. And they would talk about like suicide, like the extremes of, of the, the world of mental health. And they never just kind of like wanted to just like talk about it. It was always just like, hey, here's like, like let's get it so afraid of like, being mentally ill that like you just don't want to like do it mm-hmm. um as if it was like a choice you're like yeah you know yeah. i'm gonna just not do it because i was scared by that thing so <laughs> and like and and like and and like how here's here's how, like we never want to go there yeah <laughs> instead exactly. of like instead of like when we inevitably arrive there yeah <laughs> Here's yeah. maybe what oh, we'll do about it. And it was like, it's one of those things too. You got like a group of like 13, 14, 15 year olds in high school or whatever. And you're, you're sitting in an auditorium and like nobody, you, have, you haven't heard of anything. This is your introduction to mental health is like people just being like, yeah, like, you know, somebody will come in who like lost um, a relative who like died by suicide and they'll come in and they'll just talk about like, you know, how hard it's been on them and the people around them. And it's just like, it was just like a guilt trip. I remember mm, that. It was mm-hmm. just like feeling so guilty about like, wow, here's the impact after you experience this horrible thing. Um, and so I just like, when I got to university, I went through a few crisis moments. I was in a really tough spot and I just realized that like, you know, I, I had to start talking about what I was going through. So life's wreck kind of came up, started to, uh, started to share my own experiences with mental health and then realized that there was definitely a, there was a there was a place and a need for a voice that just wanted to have these conversations in a way like just a, a small town kid who like likes you know fucking around with the guys and just having fun on the weekends who just wanted to sit down and talk with people in a super casual fun way and uh, yeah life's wreck uh, was born and it's been going on for over mm-hmm. three years now cool. and how, then yeah I, I, I was just gonna ask like how how much of that experience um, life's a wreck was you also looking for answers. And more mm. information about Dude, the experiences that the you entire were going thing. through. That's like it's. That's exactly what it was. It was. It wasn't. I didn't even make it originally. I made it as an audio diary. It wasn't even like an actual podcast. It was like I had a. I had a background in radio, so I was like, oh, like I like recording stuff, and and uh, you know, okay, yeah, I'll just, I'll just instead of like writing stuff out, I'll just talk. I'll just put a microphone in front of my face and just be like, hey, like, what do I think about like anger and like how has that played a role in my life? And I would just start talking about it, and mm. then eventually it just got to the point where I was like you know, I, I had a few friends who were asking me about it and they were like, oh, like you should maybe like consider like, you know, putting that out there, seeing if anybody else wants to listen to it. So that's, that's what it was. Like mm-hmm. it was literally, and that's what it still is. Like the podcast is very much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of grown into a community, but it's, yeah, it was born from me just wanting to learn more mm-hmm. about this shit that was going on in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What's, how old are you now? Uh, 24. Okay. Yeah. What's your take on, um, what's your take on, on you, uh, being, kind of like I don't want to call you a stereotypical guy but oh, like do, yeah. but like but like <laughs> do I fit the mold like <laughs> you know like being being the the atypical person mm-hmm. to talk about mental health like that has been a that's that's been something that you know organizations like Movember have been pushing for mm-hmm. a really long time like men talking about mental health yeah. because of like all the stigma and like the history of not talking about it and everything yeah like what's your take on that and what do you kind of see in terms of like maybe the people around you mm. going, 
oh shit, Kyle's, look what Kyle's up to. Yeah, that was early days of the podcast. It would be, it was a much more like prevalent thing. Um, just because of like how I grew up, like it was, you know, I grew up in a town of 5,000 people and like no men talked about mental health at all. And like, especially not if you were playing sports or doing anything like that. Yeah. It was like, it was basically just like, you know, how hard can you bash your head into somebody else's, you know, on the football field to like prove how masculine you are or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so in the early days when I started talking about it, it was like, I had people reach out who I played football with and they were like, uh, like, dude, like, man, I, I looked into this therapy thing. I think I need this. Like, you know, I, oh, I, I asked my mom like about this, like anger that we've been like, you know, holding against each other for years and like patching things up. So that was like huge. Now I kind of, I really look at it as like, you know, it's mental health is such a human thing. And it's like, you know, this idea that for so long we segmented like who could talk about mental health. And, and it's like, you know, it'd be like uh, saying like food critics can only be men. Mm-hmm. It's like food is this like, thing that everybody loves everybody enjoys it's it's you know everyone has specific it's very like particular taste that's unique to them and yet it's like oh we can only hear from certain people because other people just it just doesn't matter so it's like it just kind of it's nice to be able to present a lane just to show people like hey like since i started this podcast my life has gotten tremendously better and to show men especially so it just kind of like in a weird way in my own tiny tiny little segment just kind of like creaks that door open for people enough to just be like Kyle turned out all right. Mm. He had to, he got to go on Big Brother and do all these things. And <clears throat> and did you right. and did you ever can? It, I'm imagining you didn't, but did you ever consider it, or was it just kind of like you started doing that, and then it's only when people start, it's only when someone's like, hmm, interesting, like <laughs> man talking mental health, that, and then you're and and then you're kind of like, what? Like why is that? Like, so, like other people might think it's like out of the box, but you're kind of like, no, it's in the box. It's I'm a human. Yeah. Well, that eventually, dude, when I first started uh, talking about this stuff, I was fucking terrified. I was, I, I truly thought I was like, I was like, my friends won't want to be friends with me anymore. I'm never going to get a girlfriend. Like my parents are going to, like my parents are fucking amazing. I've got, I've been really lucky, especially along this like mental health journey. They're good parents. Um, and I was even thinking, I was like, they're going to be like super embarrassed to go out in public and people are going to be like, oh, there's the people whose son is like mentally ill and and people were going to, I wasn't going to be able to get a job. I thought the worst was happening. And so when I first put it out, the reason I put it out was because I was at rock bottom and I had nothing to lose. So I was like, ah, well, fuck. I mean, if I'm going to go out like, and at that point I was, I was in a, a bad spot and I was like, well, I got nothing else going on. Uh, maybe if one person out there listens to it sure. And they like, they get something from it. It's worth it. So I just put mm-hmm. it out. Um, and then it was after, like you said, people started kicking back and being like, Oh dude, this is good. Like we, I, I really want this. I really want to hear more of this. Um, that I was like, Oh shit. Like people aren't really talking like this in the space. So mm-hmm. it was cool. Yeah. Well, what, uh, can we like, can we kind of rewind and go yeah, back please. to, um, like the early, the early points in your life where you started to kind of clue into the fact that, okay, there's something there's something off here. Like yeah. I don't feel well. Yeah. Um, like how early do, in your, in your life did you start to kind of notice that there were things going on with your mental health? The way I describe it is I, uh, so I didn't really know a world without mental illness. And that was kind of a, a weird thing. Cause like when I was growing up, like some of my earliest memories are of panic attacks, like earliest conscious memories are truly of just being like absolutely terrified and just thinking like my life was like done. Like I just, before you could even kind of conceptualize these concepts of like, you know, what it means to be truly afraid and anxious and, and, you know, feel like there's no, like nothing and nobody matters. And it's just like you alone with a spotlight and it's, it's terrifying. Um, yeah, like it was, it was day one. 
Like mm. I, the earliest memories, some of the earliest um, things that were kind of like indicators were um, when I was a kid, my dad was a power lineman and uh, he would, he told me a story when I was real young about like, you know, dad works a dangerous job and like, you know, there's going to be times where like, I'm going to go away and, and I'll come back and, you know, I'll always be there for you. But like, you know, it's a dangerous job. There's people who like get really hurt. And for people uh, who don't know power linesmen in Canada yes. is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a hockey uh, position. That's oh. like, big, like big, yeah, my big, dad was on the power players. play. Like, <laughs> fucking, they're real quick. Son, when I'm getting like, those pucks in deep, yeah, like just right. know, you know, I'm putting my head it's down. They, 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 often, they often say lightning quick. You yes, know, exactly. uh, it's very, exactly. it's very, very electric position. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. He couldn't help himself. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't no, finish. it's, it's great. I mean, like, yeah, it was and actually funny enough. He did play hockey. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he worked on like the power lines outside and, uh, would, and, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but yeah like I just and I remember like I would have to tell my like something just clicked in my brain and this was like early um signs of OCD was uh, obsessive compulsive disorder um where that like something clicked in my brain where whenever my dad left the house and I didn't say um love you and I'll see you later those two things and I didn't get it back if he didn't say I love you and I, I'll see you later back I was convinced he was gonna die yeah I was like if if he would leave and I was outside or something like that and he got called in he had to go and he like took off and forgot it would be like I would I would I would have a full blown panic yeah. attack and yeah. I, I want to like I you know I I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more sure, like yeah, as yeah. your as your OCD sort of evolved as you grew up but like for folks that uh, because we've we've talked about this in the past but. I'm sure there's like new, we, we're constantly getting new listeners and, and maybe they haven't heard the episode where we spoke about OCD, but I think a lot of people have this, this notion of what OCD is, mm. which is like the, oh, they count that they like, they count the red cars that drive by their house or, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They, wash, the or they yeah. wash their <laughs> hands until their hands are raw or, yeah. or they like, you know, they go back home seven times after trying to just go to the grocery store because they think they left the fucking stove on. Yeah. But or just generally tidy. Yes, that's <laughs> right. The, right. That's, that's, that's the right. fucking worst, yeah. dude. Get all the time. How's your desk? Yeah. God damn it. Um, but but I think there there's a there's a whole there's a whole like aspect of OCD that people don't yeah. really quite understand. And and I've heard about you know this this example that you laid out there, mm. which which I would love to, for you to kind of like elaborate on on what's happening there like what's the mechanism that's happening that's making you kind of go through that process um but i've heard this i've heard this like kind of a lot where it's like if you like if i say something i need it to, i need something to be said back to me or yeah. else and oftentimes it it's like the thought that comes with it it seems is some sort of like um catastrophized oh, like, like a uh, what's it called an intrusive thought an intrusive yeah. thought yeah there you yeah. go thank you yeah so um uh, can you can you kind of elaborate on like what What's happening in your brain it, yeah. with that thought of saying the thing to your dad and 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 not getting it back and how that all works? Yeah, so I mean, you guys can you guys can have people on here who can get into kind of like the 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 medical side of OCD sure. a little bit more. So like from a kind of a personal and the way I would explain it in my own life, um, it it kind of just seemed like when I was especially when I was young, this idea of closing loops was a really important thing for me. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of I would say something and I would start the loop. And if it ended right there, it just like, it just, it's so tough to kind of describe exactly what it did, but I would feel like sick to my, it would feel like I was sick. Like I was like sick to my stomach. My like, like somebody was just like gripping my spine and it was Ugh. like, finish the thought, finish the thought. And that would just like, it's like, like that, that merry-go-round in your head of just like, you've got to finish it. You've got to finish it. It has to be finished. Like, and so that idea of, okay, then it would be said back to me, everything went away. And that's the idea of like 
typically OCD will um, elicit a, an intrusive thought into your kind of brain. Yeah. Um, and then the compulsion, the obsessive compulsive disorder is typically so that there's an obsession that is solved by a compulsion. Mm. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, that idea of that would be the only thing it was like, you know, when you get like those, like, um, little head scratcher things yeah. you go on the top of your head and massage your brain a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That's what it was. It was like, I would just feel like I was just like in complete distress. As soon as that loop was completed, just felt like I was like, Oh, brain Ooh. massage, like Ooh. complete. <laughs> and there's so much. And I've talked to so many doctors about like, um, you know, the, the rush of different chemicals in your brains that because of OCD are like released when, um, those things happen. And it just kind of like furthers the cycle of your brain oh. being like, Oh, I need that like oh, flush of an, endorphins or um like it reinforces it's like itself dopamine or yeah or, or it's dopamine oh yeah. wow yeah. wow serotonin. Oh, fuck that's wild i never knew that wait so that's so, so interesting i'm curious though like when you when you do that so let's say your dad's leaving and you're like i love you see you later yeah. and he doesn't say i love you see you later yeah. back and you're and you go into this full-blown panic attack um what's your memory of like your mom or do you have any brothers or sisters? I've got a younger sister and a mom. Yeah. Do you, do you have any memories of like how, like, was it all like entirely internalized or, or was this like an outward experience that oh, big time outward. that they yeah. were like, okay, all right. All right. Kyle, like, Let's, yeah, I'm let's reading. Um, I'm reading Dr. Gabor Mate's uh, "The Myth of Normal" right now. Yeah, yeah. And it talks so much about childhood yeah. trauma and that kind of stuff. And uh, for for years of my life, I was like, I didn't have. I had two parents who you know loved each other very much. High school sweethearts gave my uh, my sister and I every opportunity in the world to succeed. But like so much shit that you go through, you don't even realize this trauma until later in life. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, well, the thing was like, and and something that I've uh, you know big fan of therapy, like that's something that that's helped me out tremendously. I see Brian shaking his head. Yeah, um, and, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, that was like, it would be a very outward expression. So it would be like I would frantic, like my breathing would just get quicker and quicker, and I'd, my heart was pounding, and I would basically just be like dinner plate eyes that was how my mom like said it was like kind of scary because you just see me with like it, my eyes were just like huge and I was just like you could Ooh. just see like the world just kind of crashing in and because it was like I it's the same thing as like um like I thought my dad was gonna die mm -hmm. I oh I thought my my father was gonna die and mm -hmm. so I was like I was panicking as if I was watching my father die in front of me mm -hmm. and it was just like that Ooh. was the thing so it's like when you're like a like a seven-year-old kid and you are convinced that because your dad forgot to say something because he was in a super big rush and you like you like it's that intrusive thought like you see it and you believe Ooh. it in your core that it's there and that was like yeah so it was just because because i could totally see as a parent like if if i imagine myself to have, have I feel like no I kind of dance around the whole you're talking about my mom and sister and like how well, yeah. well i i think of like i imagine if i hadn't had the privilege of like having all these conversations on the podcast and didn't know about OCD, and I was a parent, um, and I saw my kid go through this, and they were like, full, like it seemed like they were fully convinced that their parent, their other parent, was going to die. Yeah, I feel like I would, I would probably be fairly dismissive of that mm. if I didn't have that sort of like empathetic lens. Yeah. Oh, to look kids through. be kids, and kids so yeah, like yeah. like you would, you would probably be like, well, where, like this is irrational. Like well, I don't yeah. understand this. So, um, like what. I guess what was your relationship with your mom like in that sense? Like, was she understanding of like what you were really going through, or was she sort of dismissive? No, she was. <laughs> I think she was uninformed, and yeah. I think that that's the best way that I can describe it. Because my, 
I talk openly with my parents now about mental health. And when mm-hmm. I first started talking about it, when I first started putting the podcast out, one of the first, because I didn't tell my parents I was putting it out, one of the first calls I got was from my parents and my parents were bawling. Mm-hmm. And both of them were just like, they were just on the phone together and they were just like weeping. And they were like, we had no idea. We had no idea. Because like yeah. when they were growing up, you want to talk about, we don't talk about mental health now. They definitely didn't talk about mental health then. Yeah. And my parents both kind of had their own, like my grandparents on both sides had mental health challenges that were dismissed as works tough. Yeah. yeah. And it's what people go through. Yeah. And yeah. so when I was going through it, my mom was, my mom was very much, she was supportive and she was there and nurturing, but she was just like, she was like, you're just going through the motions. This yeah. is just how people react when they're like, you're a kid and the world's big and scary <clears throat> and you don't know if your dad's mm-hmm. going to be home yeah. uh, anytime soon. She wasn't worried. So I think that there's definitely in like uh, something I've kind of talked about in therapy is there's, there was this like, why aren't you helping me thing? Like, uh, why am I not, why is this not being solved by mm-hmm. my caretakers? Mm-hmm. Even though she was providing a very nurturing help. Because if space. she, if she had the education, if she had, if she had the, the knowledge of what mental health looks like the way she probably does now because of yeah. the world that we live in today, mm-hmm. of course she would have like yeah. fucking done anything in her power to help you because you're her baby. Because you don't go from, because you know, and, and you can, I mean, you can draw this to like, you know, things about like, um, like race or sexual orientation or gender issues. Like we don't go from zero understanding to a hundred percent understanding. It's like each generation goes through like an iterative process of understanding more and more until you get to where you're, you know, hopefully want to be going. Yeah. You have to learn. Yeah. (laughs) There's a learning process. But but the, the thing that I, one thing I've, I've really felt like I've sort of, um, learned a lot about over the past year is this idea that, we can appreciate the fact that our parents love us mm. and they're doing the best that they can. And we can also acknowledge that in times they let us down. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. There, it, it's, it's this, um, it's the framing of like the and versus the, but it's mm. not, it's not that they, they were really good parents, parent, but they fucked up in this situation. It's, and they fucked up yeah. in this situation oh, and it's okay to it. be mm. angry about that. It's okay to feel <clears throat> sad about that. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that they don't love you. It it's, but it's a really hard thing to sort of like come to terms with in your brain. And it's a really hard thing to come yeah. to terms with. This is like a little bit more of a philosophical kind of like pondering that we could all probably weigh in on. But like yeah, one of the things that I <laughs> find fascinating about like mental health issues in general, mm-hmm. especially when you're a kid and you're experiencing as a kid is like, that could be, that could be coming. That could have been the result of an experience, like mm-hmm. you, you, like your brain mm-hmm. starts working mm-hmm. that way because yeah. of something, or it just is. Yeah, and it like, and it kind of spontaneously erupts into this experience that you're that you're having, and just how fascinating it is that 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 could that that can be the case. Absolutely. Is, is that, that there, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not to challenge you on this, but like. Is that the is that what is that the is that the common science behind this? Like not the common science, but like the the sort of like common understanding within the the professional field of mental health that like it's it's not always a direct result of a of a specific thing. It can mm-hmm. just be. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, versus, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that um, yeah. it's the conversation of nature versus nurture, yeah. and yeah. mental health, it's both all every yeah. single right. time. Right. There's mm. there's gonna be people who right. are gonna have some different different chemical imbalances in their brains that will lead to some mental illness later Ooh. in their life, or early in their life, um, and always there's like definitely going to be things that because of those chemical imbalances certain experiences are experienced differently through this lens Mm -hmm. that they've just been given Mm -hmm. so it's like you know it's always going to be this um 
it's always going to be a little bit of both. Right. Yeah. I think probably. And, and I didn't I, mean I, to cut you off there. No, no, like, no, no. I, like, I don't know if you were done your point, but I, that, no, I just want, I was, I was kind of curious about yeah. that point. Cause I was like, I, I mean, I, would, about it that I would say that, I would say that if you were, if you, if you began going to therapy mm-hmm. because you wanted to dig into an issue that you're having with your mental health, I would imagine that the first, that the first road would be, okay, let's try to find out, let's try to find out like what, let's, let's start, let's start rewinding the tape to try and figure out maybe where this began. I'm assuming that would be the first line. You wouldn't have to assume or imagine if you started going to therapy. You are you are a therapy yeah. elitist. You are a therapy elitist. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I feel like this isn't the first time this has been brought up. <laughs> been brought up many times. But anyway, sorry, continue. Um I would imagine that that's the that's the that's the first line that you'd go down is you try to you try to think like, well, what's the tangible sort of like material thing that we can experiential thing that we can draw a line back to? Because mm. because because that would be the easier way. Yeah. It, it, not the easy way, but the easier way to mm-hmm. f- try and start to solve some yeah. of the problems and start to find solutions would be to go, okay, X happens. Mm-hmm. So then as a result, Y happens. And now we can try to figure that out. Whereas if, if you can't find, if there's no, mm-hmm. if there's not like a, like a, if there's not like a moment of, uh, uh, uh what's the, like a moment of conception of like, yeah. of, of something happening that's An very event. clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some sort. Then like, then, then things probably start to get yeah. Yeah. quite a bit more complicated. Which I, I, I'm guessing in your case, in your case, based on what you've said. Yeah. There, there, it's kind of muddy. There isn't really a one moment or event. I it, was just going to say like that. I resisted therapy for years because of that same reason. I was like, oh, therapies for people who had fucked up childhoods. Yeah. And I had a food on the table. I, we did Sunday pancakes every, every weekend. Like I had like that blue collar, <laughs> white picket fence. Like yeah. I had the shit. I was like, I was stoked. So I was like, that's not for me. I don't, I don't have any problems. I just like, yeah. Freak out once did your while. family do? <laughs> did, you guys, did your family do the pancake day thing where your, your mom would like put money in the pancakes? What? What? Yeah. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> you guys didn't do that. Coins? What? Coins or bills? Brady, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no. You don't? Is that, am I oh, fully is that alone not, here? Okay, also, is that not filthy? It's yeah. fucking disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. disgusting. And, <laughs> very, and unsafe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so You mean real dirty time money? Is time uh, to toughen them up. Look, look, uh, look I, I think that I, I feel like this is like a, lot a, of bro- a lot of broken teeth in the Saunders family. <laughs> dude, fuck yeah, dude. I, I feel like this is a Roman Catholic thing, but like growing up is as a family that like technically was like very much Roman Catholic until, until I at 12 was like, this is my family was too. absolutely insane. My and family was my too. Went, when I did that, oh, yeah. and I never had money in my pants. <laughs> and, and my parents were like, yeah, you're right. But, well, okay, but hold on. The, every year there's a day called pancake day. I don't know. Pancake where. Tuesday. Uh, sure. Trove, it, tu- Trove Tuesday. What is it called? It, I don't know. Like I guess. That? Yeah. It, it is probably that, falls somewhere between like Lent and like, Ash Wednesday or something. I don't know. But Jesus Christ. Anyway, it's Did somewhere. It's Ash in the it's, pancakes on that I mean, day it's, it's like kind of around this time of year. And the family gets together and, it's, and you fucking eat pancakes that day. It's like a big deal. And the kids love it. And the, the reason the kids love it is because mom like flicks a few toonies into the fucking bat- batter. And then you're eating. You're like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I got some money. And then do you have to donate it to the church? Uh, no, no. You just you go buy candy with it. You go buy candy. Can, can you, is there is there a thing that says like money in the pancakes? I don't know. It says Shrove Tuesday. What's the Shrove date? Tuesday. What's Pancake the date? Tuesday? What what date is Pancake Tuesday? It's uh well, it says February thirteenth, twenty twenty four, but I don't know. <laughs> it's like an it's like an Olympic cycle. It's every four years. <laughs> I'm, Googling, I'm Googling. Mom put money in my pancake. The day yeah. before Ash Wednesday. The day, so. Holy cool. shit, guys! I put mom put money in my pancakes. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
just says for mo- this Mother's Day, forget pancakes, pay women. That's that's the closest thing we got, dude. I thought you were gonna be like Google. Just I thought you, I thought you were gonna say Google. Google just went. Oops. <laughs> no results. <laughs> Honestly, it was only so. Uh, your like family. I said, I had a uh, great childhood and a trustworthy pancakes and. Uh, Oh, sweet mother of God. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. So you had this. You had this like wonderful childhood. Yeah. You don't know where it came from, but. But you do know, and you, and you know, earliest memories—they are these memories of like intrusive thoughts and 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 like this 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 absolute need to like close this loop. Mm. How does it evolve as you become, you know, a teenager and you're yeah. going through like high school and yeah. and going through those like fundamental periods of of like where 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 like your social evolution is such a huge part of you sure. growing up? Yeah, great question. Um, it didn't change until I got help. It just like, like it, it evolved, like you said. Yeah. So it went from my parents having to say it to my first girlfriend having to say it. Every time I walked out the door, love you. See you later. Real early on into the, I remember that relationship was like early on in because it was like, my brain was like, Hmm, something here doesn't feel right. I think you should start saying you love her because this just <laughs> right. needs to, you know, we gotta get, we gotta get, get, get that kickback. So, um, yeah, it just, it just changed and it would just be like, it would be like friends and that kind of stuff. And it would be different with some people than others. But like, you know, I was like, I would burrow into conversation. I thought people hated me for like long periods of my life and people were like, Oh dude, we had no problem with you. It was just all in my head. It was just like everything. Like you'd go and have a conversation with somebody and they would like turn your back and it would just be like, I fucked it up. <laughs> like, yeah, but right. just like, just absolutely just banging on yourself, mm-hmm. just dragging you down. Um, so it didn't, it didn't change until I, I went and got help. And, the, and these, like these things where, where like the examples of, of trying to close a loop by like saying a particular thing and wanting a, ve- what seems to be a very specific response mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Did you, you know, like, like, were you unconsciously trying to let that person know that you needed to hear the specific words back? You know, like, like, I, I, as opposed to being like, Hey, I have OCD. So like, if you don't say I love you back, like I'm going to be fucking losing my shit. <laughs> obviously, obviously you're trying to cover that up or you're not, or, or at least you're not like thinking about it or, or not thinking about it that way. So did you try to find ways to be like, Hey, can you just say this thing to me? Cause it just makes me feel better. Uh, no, no, do I, no. you would just literally like throw it up and go fucking hope they say it back. Yeah. I, I had zero confidence in talking about anything that was going on. Right. Like, and, and that was a thing, oh, excuse me. Um, it wasn't, I didn't even hear the words OCD until yeah. I was in like, I went to school in Toronto and it was like late grade 12, like early on in university when people like started using it. It wasn't just a passing word where somebody was like, like, I, you know, early days of going to therapy, like, you know, grade 11, I think my parents like were like, Hey, maybe you should try this therapy thing. And I was like, okay, okay. Mm. Yeah, maybe. And the, they were just kind of like, oh, it could be OCD. They just kind of in passing. It wasn't until I got to university where they were really like, here's what OCD is. This is why we think you might have it. And like, here's like kind of laying it mm. out. So I didn't even know how, I didn't even know how to tell people up until right. I was like 19 years old. 
it's like five years ago. Like that was a, that was a trip in and of right. itself where I was like, oh shit, like this isn't just like how everybody is. Like this is like an actual thing that I can define and now tell people about. It was mm. exciting. Like, mm. yeah. And did you, did you recognize like, so, you know, let's use the example again of like saying like, I love you. I'll see you later. Yeah. And need, needing to hear from whoever it is needing to hear. I love you too. I'll see you later. Yeah. Were you able to like conceptualize that? Like that's the, that's the thing that you needed to hear or it's only in retrospect that you realize like the times that I heard that it was good. The times that I didn't hear that it was bad or like mm. in the moment. Did you know, like, I love you. I'll see you later. Like, are you literally sitting there going, say it, say it a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'm you knew exactly what yeah. you needed to hear in that moment. hundred. I was very right. conscious of what I needed. I didn't right. know how to ask for it. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was like, if, and that was the thing is even if it was out of order, it could be, it could be love you. See you later. See you later. Love you. Like, no, no, Can that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Repeat it back to me. Like, it's just like <laughs> seven-year-old just grinding his teeth. Yeah. That's not right. Like, uh, yeah. So, oh, no, I, yeah, I knew what I needed to hear, and I knew, like, the cadence and everything mm -hmm. like that, but I had no idea why or how to tell anyone. Was, was, was there, a, like, a, 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 like, a breaking point that led to you going to therapy, or was it just, like, a, a this, you know, eventually there was this point where you're like, okay, okay fine, like, now? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I don't... Yeah, there was. So like I to yeah, so like when I was in high school, it was I went to therapy because I was going on this school trip and I was claustrophobic. It was an anxiety a byproduct of my anxiety. My long-standing anxiety was claustrophobia for a long time. And uh, I was going on this school trip and my parents were like, "Oh, like you're going to be in airplanes and elevators." Like I I when I was a kid, I couldn't do elevators. So I'd have to no matter where my parents took me, we we did not go to a lot of tall buildings because my parents were like, "Well, we're going to have to walk up the stairs." Yeah. So they just avoided a lot. And I didn't do the CN Tower as a kid. Um, but uh <laughs> like it was that was that it was in university that yeah like there was a there was a big time crisis moment that led to me being like i need fucking help like this is like this isn't this isn't normal and that's the thing is i thought for the longest time that what i was experiencing because nobody talked about it was the norm that everybody else in their life was also experiencing the same thing as i was they were just better at handling it and then i just felt like a failure and i felt like i was a fuck up and i couldn't you know i couldn't live up to like what i, I was like these people are walking around they don't need to hear anything back they just handle their shit and i was like i i suck i can't you know and i just i for the longest period of my life i cat like capital h fucking hated myself because i was i was just like i'm i can't do this is the negative self-talk a byproduct of the ocd or is it something that is like or is it something that is some is it something that's like stand, that's a standalone thing that kind of like applies that you would might do in like many areas of your life if you didn't mm. feel like you were up to snuff on something or or, or, or was it or, or, or was it something that you feel like came as a result of the OCD and feeling like you, you know, you, you, you needed these things that, that somebody else didn't or that you, you know, you had shit that you, that you weren't able to deal with quote unquote. Yeah. I'm still kind of working on it. That's, that's something where it's like, I'm at a point now where like, I, I love myself. I'm very happy with who I've become as a person and the, the adversity that I've went through and, and how it's helped me develop. Um, I, I don't know, man. I really, it's so hard to say. Like, I feel like if we wanted to, like, you talk about like philosophical, if we wanted to just like sit here, hey, pop, if we just wanted to like sit here and like really like dive into the shit and just like all lay down on the ground, just be like, oh, maybe it could have been this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, maybe we could kind of come to the bottom of it, but like, I've done therapy for a while and it is something that I'm still like, 
it's a little bit of everything because it's like when you're when you're young and you you know some of these loops don't get closed, but then you realize you're like, well, you know, my sister doesn't need to close loops. Well, why can't I be like my sister? Ooh. And all of a sudden, you start comparing yourself to other people. Mm-hmm. And everybody always says comparison is a thief of joy. So it's like when you're a seven year old and you're comparing yourself to all the people around you and being like, I don't live up to this person. I don't live up to this person. I live up to this person. You just you like without even you even realizing you're just shrinking yourself down and yeah. down and down. Yeah. And then it just got worse and like. I think it's like almost like your brain. It's like a, it's like an abusive relationship. It's like your brain almost sees how much it can get away with without being like reprimanded or being mm-hmm. like held accountable. Mm-hmm. And for years it was unchecked. It was like, Hey, if we want to tell this guy that he's the scum of the earth, he's just going to sit there and take it and believe it and mm-hmm. act accordingly. So is there any like the perfectionism? Like what, a long wrapped time up there in, was. Sure yeah. was. Yeah. No, that was I actually was um, one of the questions Brian had asked earlier, but like, um, childhood and like the idea of kind of like um the and versus the but one of the things that really helped me was realizing that my parents weren't perfect like that was a huge thing where it was like oh people are flawed and i don't like you know these amazing people in my life can have bad like i can have moments where like they didn't knock it out of the park they hit a single not a not a home run um but that was something I did not believe in. I believed for a long time that I was on an island and even this idea that like nobody else needed to be perfect, I needed to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I needed to be the perfect son, the perfect friend, perfect student, perfect everything, or I had no worth. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my self-worth was derived from achievement because I had no internal sense of validation. I totally struggle from a lot of the same things mm-hmm. and it's that's a big part of what I talk about in therapy. And, and I uh, one way I visualize it in therapy is we imagine a like a glass jar of all my past experiences yeah. and um, like some of the memories that are really neat that that feel really right. I've talked about this on the podcast, but they like file away into the cabinet like very easily. Like there's no mm. crinkles on them. They're not bent or crooked. They just kind of go into the jar. Um, but the bunched up ones are like the traumatic memories. Mm. And I think of like Taylor, when you were saying earlier, like is it this one sort of inception moment where like like of trauma that sort of fucked that entire yeah, experience yeah. up for you in life? Or is it like a mix of a bunch of different things? I feel like it's almost always a mix of a bunch of different things. And for me, my my crumpled up pieces of paper have all these different edges that like, as I explore back <laughs> in my mind, link back to these different specific memories. Mm. And it's like through going through therapy, I sort of like um, iron out like one of those edges okay, and like yeah. iron out another edge. And then, but like, it's still fucking crinkled. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. still going to be challenges so, that I go through. So wait, you're putting paper into a jar? Don't worry about it. It's like, yeah, it's sure. my, this is my thing. Like, <laughs> right, sure. yeah. I, yeah. I always thought it was a cabinet. I thought yeah. it was a cabinet. And now I'm here. But I thought it was a filing cabinet. And when you said the jar thing earlier, I was it's like, actually, I was thinking like jelly beans. <laughs> you know what's funny is, is in my mind, it's so clear what it is. And it's in a library on a okay. shelf with other people's jars next to it. But like, why are it there honestly, other people's jars in it, your library? It, 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 it's a public guys, library. Stop, <laughs> fucking, stop criticizing just, my. I, I know, I know, but just give me the shape. Do you the, use the Dewey Decimal? Yeah, yeah, give me the shape of the jar. Like, what are are we talking? Like it's a mason jar? It's a mason jar that you're putting mm. sheets yes. of paper yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Though. Yeah. Okay. I fold. I yeah. very you know, tactile. Funny. I fold papers as I work, and okay. and it's funny because. Uh, I picture it different. It morphs for different right. scenarios that I'm talking like about, a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very dreamlike. Like yeah, it, yeah. like doesn't make sense, right. but it makes sense to me in the way that I. It makes sense. Make sense of my trauma. It yeah, makes. Yeah. It, I bet you put that in mid journey. Mid journey, be like, I know exactly. That's actually where it came from. It, it was is. an AI prompt, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool. I'll use that. We're in a simu- we're it. just in a simulation. <laughs> that's cool though. I, I yeah. sorry. Do you wanna, no, no. Go ahead. Do you do a lot of imagery stuff? Because I think totally, very yeah. like viscerally in terms of like. Um, 
like I yeah like like you said imagining like thoughts as papers in a library mm-hmm. in a jar like I, I do a lot of that stuff too so I, d- I do a, a lot of that and it's um I don't I don't meditate like I mm. I've meditated in the past and it's similar to this experience but I sort of do that like I'll daydream <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. um sitting at my like desk or whatever and I'll just sort of look off into space and I think what happens is like a dream mm-hmm. that imagery morphs and like mm-hmm. goes between different sort of things that are familiar to me and like familiar sort of ideas of what my brain is like and like mm-hmm. how that works and what my trauma looks like and I do a lot of visualizing and it and it does shift a lot through that imagination mm-hmm. and I try not to like think too much about it I just sort of like let it go but there's these familiar scenes and they don't make sense like as one sort of unit mm-hmm. but they help me make sense of mm the past if that makes sense <laughs> uh, yeah i use a lot of like um just random i don't know i don't know what the word is um i don't think it's idioms i don't know i'm gonna blank on this and mm-hmm. it's gonna look ridiculous but like that idea of being like oh like your brain's like a highway and like you got two cars coming like using yeah. like real life imagery to like explain things that like i can't really articulate very well right. in my head yeah so yeah, yeah yeah very familiar how long have you been going to therapy for uh it started yeah i started um First time back in high school, uh, I went regularly throughout university because um, Toronto Metropolitan University, formerly Ryerson, um, which is where I went, had a really awesome like student therapy, um, I don't know, package or supports. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to go like once a week for like borderline my like two of my four years, like mm-hmm. when I really needed it. Um, and then pandemic didn't really because like everybody was doing virtual care and it was kind of a weird time but like I was living at home for free I was pretty in a good place so I didn't really need it at the time Mm -hmm. and then uh and then I've done it kind of like on and off for the past like year Mm -hmm. yeah do you um did did you find it immediately helpful when you started going after the first session really straight up yeah a lot of people are like oh like it took a while like I you know I didn't really feel like comfortable and whatever I think the podcast was a bit of a, uh, a precursor to being like, yeah, like all I just needed was just the tap, just to fucking crank it just a bit, just to like let a single drop out. Just yeah. So like that first therapy session, I, 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 for anybody out there who, who's thinking about going to therapy, um, I'll tell a super quick story. Like the first time I went to a therapist who her name was Lauren and she was the therapist who like changed my life. And it was mm-hmm. the, like, because I went in and she was like, um, she's like, Hey, tell me about, like, tell me about your childhood. Tell me, tell me what everything was like. Mm-hmm. I told her and she's like, we sat there and I, I like I told her the the whole thing. It was like an hour session. I talked for 50 minutes and just like laid it all out because I was like, hey, listen, if we're going to work together, I need you to know it all. Ooh. And so like I sat there and I let it all out and it was and she just sat back and I will <laughs> I remember this so viscerally like, sits back. She kind of kicks her feet. She's like, <sighs> and in my mind, I'm just like, I fucked up. I am a fucking <laughs> loser. Like the, my therapist hates me. I think I just spoke. <laughs> Chip. Did she even understand Did, what I, I said? This. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she and she just kind of takes back. She goes. Sounds really tough. And I fucking bawled. Oh, dude. That I is, yeah. it was the first time <laughs> in my life anybody had ever just just been like, sounds hard. Yeah. Hadn't tried to fix the situation. <laughs> hadn't tried to give me like, oh, why don't you read books? Why don't you fucking meditate? It was just like, that sounds hard. And I bawled. That's and a, so man. that after that day, that changed, that changed a lot. That makes me uh, teary-eyed immediately because that's the I had a very similar experience um where like I went into therapy thinking like Oh, I've heard people talk on the podcast about how therapy yeah. is helpful. Like, I should just try it out and see what it's like. And uh, sort of similarly to you, like thinking I had a pretty good childhood, and yeah. I don't really have any, you know, points of trauma in my life that I think would would you know still be affecting me. 
little did I know after like t- telling my story for like an hour um, and getting into some of the stuff because you know, like you're, you're in therapy and you think, mm-hmm. well, I want to share the challenges that I've been through so that, I mean, I feel like this is the sort of place to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and at the end, my therapist said something very similar, like that sounds like it was really tough for you. Yeah. And just bawling. Yeah. It's the, it's the most comforting thing to hear is like somebody acknowledging mm-hmm. the struggle of going through yeah. that. It's, uh, dude, speaking of acknowledging, like this is like a very like, this is a very beautiful moment for me. Cause this mm. is like, this is what I dreamed about when I first started like podcasting and doing any of this shit. Mm. You're sitting down with like four guys in a room and you're just talking openly about mental health and like mm. being vulnerable and that kind of, mm. and just like sharing experiences. It's fucking beautiful. So like, yeah. thank you, man. This is, this is yeah, very cool. No, wait till it's over. It's over. We'll put on some porn. Like it's, <laughs> oh, it's, okay. like, it's super fun. Man. <laughs> all the stimulants. It actually like, it actually, I, I've, I've, I've said this a couple of times. Life's erect. <laughs> super erect. I've said this a couple of times erect. throughout, uh, uh, throughout, um, uh, like when we've talked to, when we've talked to, um, uh, like sports, People who are people who have been sports um, people, uh, sports people, <laughs> professional <laughs> professional athletes, and and, and that one of the we- it often gets a bad rap, and I know that this isn't going to be the same for like every dressing room, but like I oddly found that in in like some of the most like the, the like the highest level of hockey that I played. Mm-hmm the dressing room was actually like a really safe space. Nice. It was like oddly, it was, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, Hey, we're in the brotherhood yeah. and like everything that gets said here stays here and we're all here for each other. And it it's was locker room talk. And, and there was definitely a lot of, I've heard of this. <laughs> there was I know how it goes. This was a talking there point. There was at one definitely point. a lot of locker room talk. And, um, and, and, and it was oddly, it was oddly a place and and I get a very similar cuz we talk a lot of shit but we also we also like lay it all out there and we yeah. get to have these conversations and it's kind of and it's kind of like you develop or when we've developed this culture of like of like it's not a big deal to bring up the big stuff mm-hmm. and like that fe- and and it's but you don't always recognize that until like someone like you says that mm-hmm. and then you go oh oh yeah mm-hmm. That's nice. That is nice that we got that going on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and again, like, uh, well, I got some stuff lined up after. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 it's, but actually, it's the, so good. the thing is, and, and Kyle, you probably relate to this, is like, like this idea of like being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it's really self-serving. Like I, I, like mm-hmm. when I'm able to really be vulnerable about like this, this things that I'm going through in my mind that like are really stressing me out, it, makes me feel better like yeah, it like 100%. i don't like i don't give a shit if, you, if like somebody takes a piss out of me for what i'm saying yeah because just the fact that i'm talking about it makes me feel better mm-hmm. and so yeah. like there's not really any situation i can be in i think where i would like and especially after going through therapy and mm-hmm. or going to therapy and like having that be a catalyst to like sort of be more open with the things that i'm going through yeah i feel like it's it is self serving, hundred percent, because it's healing, and that's yeah. the thing is a lot of people will say that healing is selfish, mm-hmm. like this idea. Oh, there's other people who need the help more, and all these things. Like there's certain kind of like language that we use sometimes around healing, where it makes it seem like a very selfish thing, but it's the most beautiful thing you can ever do yeah. for yourself. And being vulnerable is part of that process. It's a long process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time you give yourself that chance, to just like you know, open up to the universe just for a sec, just kind of be like, okay, that wasn't that wasn't so bad. <laughs> I feel like I let a little bit of like what I need to get out out. It's mm-hmm. fucking it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about something that I'm guessing probably isn't so healing, which hmm. is 
Reality television. <laughs> now, what would make you think? <laughs> I mean, it's full of well-adjusted people. Right? I don't, like, I don't mean to sound like a dick, but like, oh man, do as someone who has, who's like knowingly has mental health issues. Yeah. What on earth made you think that like going on a show like Big Brother, which is literally a show that it, like if you've never watched it, it's a show made for people to for for audience the audience to be pitted against certain people mm. and for everybody in a fucking house to be pitted against each other yeah. in order to like for one selfish ass person <laughs> or one super sneaky sly ass person yeah. to win the whole thing yeah. and it like for entertainment hey it's entertaining <laughs> as fuck great TV. Like, it is entertaining as fuck but also like it is it's ruthless. It's ruthless. Uh, yeah. And Jer lo- and Jer like Jer doesn't watch Big Brother. He watches. He's more of a milf manor. I am. Oh, a, oh dude, dude. Uh, sort of fan. I but fucking, what a fucking show! <laughs> I love <laughs> milf manor. I want to. Disco mommy is my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> her fun's a twerp. <laughs> uh, I, I watched a fucking Cody Co video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a, we're we're dude, addicted to it. But I love it. It's I, so I can't get enough. It's, yeah. So that's the thing, right? It's like we're all sitting here doing the exact same yeah. thing that people do. About yes, uh, Big right. Brother and that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, did you see that shit going on? And everyone's yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah. Um. But uh. But so yeah. yeah like I mean, yeah. the I mean, like honestly though, honestly, the process yeah. of going on to a, a reality show, like, what were you thinking? Like, what what were your thoughts? Were you thinking like, hey, this? Did you think that maybe it would be helpful, or did, or it was like just the notion of it as like maybe a previous fan? kind of blind, like put the blinders up where you're like, I'm not even really considering my mental health yeah. going into this because it's such a big deal. You touched on so many points that were like very like defining factors of the entire process. Um, so one of the biggest things for me and with the podcast and with everything, oh, excuse me, sorry about that. <clears throat> one of the most, defi- <laughs> um, one of the biggest things about, uh, about the podcast and this entire like journey I've been, I've been on is it's been like a little bit, you know, pun kind of intended it's been obsessive a little bit about this idea of just like i'm like wow like these things have helped me a lot i want to see like how good i can get i want to see like how much better i can feel and how i can help people and and all this stuff and so when the the big brother thing that's a whole thing like so yeah when i when i thought about applying for it it was a little bit of that idea i was a fan of the show yeah um there was a mix-up the previous season there was a, a whole social media mix-up where um, there was a Kyle Moore, which is my first and last name, um, on season nine of Big Brother, and he looks very similar to me. And um, when he was announced, was his cast was announced, people found my social medias online and like <laughs> blew them up overnight because they thought I was him. <laughs> and so I woke up, I went to bed so one night, funny. it was like 10 o'clock, and I remember like it was late. And I wasn't, at that point, like I was a casual fan of Big Brother. I'd like flick it on if it was on and just kind of like, be yeah. like oh, okay, what's going on? And then I went to bed one night and I saw somebody tweet at me and they were like, they were like, Kyle Moore, BB Can, season nine, like something. I was like, huh, it's kind of weird. Like turned my phone off and I went to bed and I woke up the next morning with like, like a thousand plus notifications. It was like, right. I had gained like 1500 new followers on Instagram, <laughs> like 2000 followers on Twitter. I haven't, I didn't touch Twitter until like that point because people were just like, it became this thing overnight where it was like, Oh, this guy's a mental health advocate. He's a podcaster. Like we let, he's a small, he's from the East coast. The East coast loves their big brother. So they were like, he's from the East coast. He's all this stuff. He's a young guy. He's athletic. Like he's going to crush. And I was like, I was like, Oh my God. So anyway, and then I, and were you like, fuck, I must've been cast. Well, dude, I was, no, I was like, am I I on big brother? I was like, is this big brother? All of my mental health issues. All of a sudden Truman show syndrome kicks in. You're just like, I guess, I guess everybody's an actor. You just start talking. 
<laughs> like, I go downstairs like, I'm like, mom, why is there money in the pancakes? To nothing. <laughs> yeah. You just go in, you just you just go it's in a challenge, you just go into a random a room, a room <laughs> with a ch- a room with a chair and just start talking to nothing. Monologue. <laughs> yeah. You've woke up from the simulation, Kyle. <laughs> you just start describing your day and your dra- and your, and <laughs> yeah. your dramas. Yeah. I mean, what what a, what a fascinating coincidence, though. Oh, huge! And, right? and did that coincidence, like, <laughs> this might sound silly, but like, did that coincidence play any kind of role in the producers going, "This is kind of funny"? Let's. It uh, played the role in the producers fuck, being like, "Wow, this being is like, like some WWE shit." It, okay, dude, I'm. T- it was wow. the most trippy year of my life because this thing happens, and then I make a video the next morning, and I go like, I hop on social media, and I go. Well, if this was ever a, you know, if this was ever a sign from the universe to apply for reality TV, I guess this is it. Wow. Three days later, I had a, I don't actually know how much I can talk about this process. Three days later, I had somebody from the show um, reach out and they were like, hey, like, enjoy the show. Would love to see you like engaging with the community. You know, have fun. And I was like, yeah. I was like, great, amazing. And so, and I, and I fully at the time, I was like, this is going to be great for my podcast. And so I was like, <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, here we go. Um, so I played it. I watched the season. I tweeted along. I like did like Facebook lives. I, I streamed with Big Brother influencers um, oh, wow. who, who were played like Among Us and stuff. Yeah, and I would, right. like I like played games with them. And sure enough, like after the season was done and they were kind of going through the casting process, um, they th- some people get scouted to be on the show. Yeah. And they reached out and they were like, they were like, hey, like, would you actually be interested in applying? And I was like, absolutely. I think this would be a lot of fun. The reason I thought it was gonna be a lot of fun was because I was like, this is so not mentally healthy. And I wonder if I can handle it. It right. was it was a challenge for me. It was my Everest was right. the idea of like. I was a claustrophobic kid who thought everybody hated him. I was like, I wonder if I could be locked in a house with yeah. 16 people who hate me. Like, <laughs> is this, like, can I do this? Like, can I like show like old Kyle that like yeah. he can do anything? Cause and, like technically and- you don't even have to really wonder whether they hate you. They, <laughs> they just, just do. They just <laughs> do. <laughs> they just yeah. do. Yeah. Very quickly. Very quickly. So, yeah. But I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about the show too, and, and maybe you can speak to this, but like, Again, again, like we're talking about reality TV and and I, I, I'm pretty sure we all fucking know at this point that reality TV is anything but the reality. Mm. And, you know, I, you know, I made I made a reference to WWE, but mostly because I, I just bought WWE 20, uh, 2K23. I know. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and all and, and I'm playing it. But like it, it is it. You you you're playing you're playing as this character. Is there a story mode? There's a story mode. And so you're it's your career and it's all the backstage stuff and. Then there's all the stuff of like setting up storylines and yada yada, and you know if you haven't watched WWE storylines, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm breaking the rules here. But if you haven't watched WWE, it's like it's all set up, and the storylines are all no, set up. Wait, and there's guys, there's guys. I'm sorry, guys. There's guys that go. There's you know there's the guys that go in there and they go. I like my dream is to be the heel, and the heel in wrestling is the bad guy, the guy that mm. everyone boos for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so management that work that television show are going fuck yeah. Let's set up a storyline so that we make everyone hate you. Yeah. And that person's going, I agree to this. That's awesome. Yeah. In Big Brother, mm. I'm sure there's the people that go, I'm going to go on the show and be a fucking dick. And totally. that's my like, that's my, that's the game I'm going to play to try to win here. Totally. Yeah. But I'm sure there's also the people that go on there and go, I'm just going to be myself. Yeah. And then you being yourself, you're actually not being a dick. You're not being uh, you know, a fucking hero. You're just being you, mm. but that's boring. And so the producers are going to look at that and go, can we edit this in a way yeah, that dude. makes this person look like a fucking asshole? 100%. If we can, we're going to do that. Did you get that? Like, did you, did you get the heel treatment on Big Brother or like, or, or did you notice stuff where you went, Hey, that's, that's not, that's out of place. Like I didn't, 
That's out of context. I didn't say it like that or whatever. So yeah, uh, <laughs> like I, I definitely I got I got a what um, to give context when I got when I got booted off the show I got evicted. My buddy picked me up from the airport, and I go and I and I sit, I'm sitting in the back like he was he was driving a couple friends had come to pick me up, and I was sitting in the back and. I, I didn't know how the show went, and I just I, I like looked at him. He was driving, and I looked at him in the, the rear view. I was like, "How was the edit?" And he like looks back. He just goes, "Not good," and just keeps driving. And oh, and, that, no. and I was like, my buddy, like he, he like he like goes after me, busts my balls. But for him to like pick me up and know I'm in a vulnerable moment and just be like, "Not good. We we shouldn't talk about it right now." I was like, "Fuck!" Like here we go. Like this is and so I haven't actually watched my season of Big Brother. Cause it's so like, I just, it would just be triggering truly in the, in the, every sense of the word. Yeah. Um, but while I was on the show, uh, yeah, there's a lot like, yeah. So they're, they do do a lot of, um, editing the storylines to make them overly exact. And that was a thing, right. Is like the fans see the over-exaggerated, um, edit and they're who they think you are is based on that. And yes. so like I had, that's why, like when I came out of the show, like I had, you know, all, all this community who had like found me overnight went from being like, wow, these are the most amazing people I've ever met to being like, I'm getting fucking death threats. Like what the fuck's going on? Like I just was so like just th hundreds and hundreds of DMs of people just being like, fuck you, you're the worst, like yeah. scumbag, all this stuff. Whoa. And yeah, it was very weird. It was very strange. Cause like you're six, I was give or take 60 ish days without my phone at all. Right. Cause they like, you know, right. your phone in the house and the time that you take like before the show to like kind of, um, the like make sure COVID safety and all that stuff was like clean. Um, it was like about 60 days. So I went from like no artificial stimulants to the first time I like check my phone and like reconnect with like the world at large, just being, just being like absolutely just torn apart. So yeah. it was a very, like, it was a very tough thing. What was tougher was seeing how it affected my family. Cause it really affected my mom. I like, you know, mm. talk about dinner plate eyes when I was mm. a kid, the first time I called my mom, she picked up the phone, dinner plate eyes. Like she just, she was just so like, she was relieved to see me. She was crying. She was just like, I can't like, I just couldn't believe they were saying like, it was it was a really hard thing for me as like a son to like see my mom be like, like, why are they saying all these things? Like, they don't know who you really are. Like all this stuff. It was really, that was really tough. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I got, I got the, uh, I got the heel tree. Yeah. I got the uh, King Kyle was one of the nicknames. Uh, that was, they, they superimposed the <laughs> oh, crown no. coming down on my head. <laughs> That's a great screenshot though. I will oh, say yes. it's a great, cause it's like me sitting on the banner and I'm like, kind of like <laughs> smugly smiling at somebody. And there's just this superimposed crown that like comes down. <laughs> um, chaos kid I got, um, people. And then some less nice ones from my fellow house guests. <laughs> people. Yeah. Anytime, like I kind of, the whole idea was when I was in the house, I, um, wanted to stir some things up. I wasn't really happy with like the alliances that I was in. And so I kind of just like blew everything up uh, mm. during the time I was HOH, kind of like hoping that everybody would point at each other. But it was a it was a bad game move, like realistically, mm. because everybody was just like, wait a second, why are we all pointing at each other? Let's point at this guy. Like this guy's the worst. And so that kind of week of uh, after the fact, after my HOH was done was just like, I had some people who I'm like really close friends with from the house who said that they like were in really uncomfortable positions because they were like in rooms with people who were saying like really not great things about like me and my character and people were blasting like the podcast and the mental health stuff and like we're really going in on like kind of me as like a whole uh, yeah and not they, like you as not the game me as the show player person. me as a, a human did, being did you find that there was a difference between some of the like cast on the show between like their ability to like separate yeah the game of the show and like the individuals one of the most 
okay, so this this Big Brother experience has been really kind of interesting because I love like I love people and I love like you know seeing how people react to certain situations and and one of the things that's really amazing about the Big Brother world is there are some people who played the game five six years ago ten years ago and are still playing like they're 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 just still in that game like they really really are because they're still like you know, friends with some people really don't like other people. There's like, it's very much like high school clicky. Yeah. Like that. Ew. Yeah. So like you mean very... like that, you mean like in their life, like, yes. Yeah. They're school. not still in that. You'll have up the pantry and they're just yeah. pale. Like they start, <laughs> like, like they, they embrace uh, the character that was created for them. Right. Through yeah. the yes. They, they very much the are, show. they're very much yeah. still the character, but like in every sense, like I do believe like they're still like a part of them that just still feels like they're like, in the house being watched like there's just it's a very it's a very interesting post-show dynamic because it seems silly when you say it out loud you're like yeah people are still playing the game but like when you see some, how some people act and like you get like um you know some of the alumni like come together and do events and that kind of stuff and you see like how certain people still treat these human beings that they like shared mm. 25 days with in a house back in like 2014 and they still just loathe them mm. yeah. and you're like damn man like i mean it's not like super like it, it, it on this when you say it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of crazy. But then when you when you kind of think about it, it's like not to not to like shit on Big Brother as a show, but like, but like, because like it seems like your experience, you're going like, hey, I go on the, I go on the show and like I'm playing the show, I'm a yeah. player, and yeah. then I'm also me, and like those are in in a lot of ways probably two distinct different people. Totally, 100%. and 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 for and for people going on the show, that should. That sh I think that should be the case, hopefully. Yeah. Yep. And then, but then you've got like obviously a giant audience of people that like mm -hmm. really enjoy the dramas of the goings ons. Totally. And it's like, like you know, you know the people that you went to high school with that like just haven't seemed to really like evolve past seventeen or eighteen years old. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of those people out yeah. there. There's a lot of people that like they got like nine kids. They're like dis they like they still they only listen to country. Still. <laughs> We're going back to my hometown? What's going on? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think this is everyone's hometown, really. It is like know? it is like there's whether it's a We don't need to stereotype them. BLs and hunting, you know. <laughs> they either like they either like don't know Shout out Steven. Love they, it. they either like don't know border, <laughs> classic border town. They either don't know. Or, or for whatever reason, like willingly, just like they're just lit. Like the good old days are yeah. are yeah. are they they're living for that. Yes, yeah. and yeah. and Big Brother in a lot of ways is like a representation of that because like a lot of the concepts and the goings ons and the dramas, yeah, and whatever, it's just a giant like, sleepover. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like it is the good old days. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so like and so you know you get caught up in that yeah. that world in that world yeah. and like mm. yeah, there's and I think people love. And this is like, again, speaking to like, not only like mental health issues, but just like general day-to-day um, -day mindfulness mm. or lack thereof mm -hmm. is the the suffering of life. And these are going to like more like Hindu, Buddhist, like philosophical yeah. concepts of like the sufferings of life are, are happening at the extremes of the highs and the lows. Mm. And the sufferings of life exist because the highs and the lows exist. Mm. And if we could through practices bring ourselves down to like the the medium yeah and 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 straddle that line as closely as possible above and below yeah then the suffer the sufferings <clears throat> that we experience in all sorts of different ways mm -hmm. are minimized yeah. and hopefully which uh, or maybe unattainably eliminated um and and like 
high school and reality TV, they like their their magic lies mm. in the extremes. Yes. Like lies yeah. it lies in the highs and the lows. I mean that's yeah. what they need. That's what yes. that's what that's what sells. Yeah. You know, that's what that's mm. what that's what people are tuning in for. I I mean to that point, like was was it was it fun while you were in yeah. the house? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And 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 in terms of like the mental health ramifications of it of the show, was it was was it more tough after you left the house or or did you find it tough inside the house as well? I was yeah, it's I was definitely in a tough because the, the play like I get I get overstimulated. And this is something where this should have been the thing that I thought about but didn't was the idea of being overstimulated in the house. Cause it's like it is bright lights like it's tv right it's bright lights it's bright colors it's loud personalities it's people it's like them purposely like putting you in really stressful situations to like keep your nerves really shot and you're you know trying to make it so people are paranoid and and really Mm -hmm. kind of like at their wits end and whatever so like yeah i was i was overstimulated like as fuck in the house um my mental health was much worse after the house though yeah after the house was bad do they have i remember when i was a kid watching it there was like um I think you could like subscribe. You could pay for like an online subscription where you could like watch twenty four hours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they yeah, still yeah. do that? No. So the <clears throat> our season so that they, got they canceled. Like, did it? I think it might have because <laughs> yeah. I will because that they sounds did, they did. pretty cancelable. <laughs> they did. They used to now do that Big I Brother After it. Dark. I'm not sure if they still do it. Yeah. But Big Brother After Dark was. They're porn. Yeah, they're like, fucking. It was. It was. Yeah. It was just people having sex. They're fuck. They, so. They're taking a shit. Turn on the. Turn on the shit channel. Oh, he's shit. Go to the shit cam. Re- go to the shit, shit cam. cam. Shit cam. Yeah. 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 Light up shit cam one. There yeah. You go. Yeah. So they don't. Uh, so when I was on the show, they do. Uh, they did like live cam, like live cams where you could sh- you could watch twenty four seven, but there were some pretty significant gaps in like it would be like oh like all the house guests are asleep. There's one camera and it's just like on the kitchen in case like anybody gets up to like go jerk get water. off in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fuck on a sandwich. <laughs> You're gonna fucking put me on the block, huh? <laughs> How's your fucking soy milk taste? <laughs> so, <okay>. King Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> That's your reputation, just coming on everything. He came in all the soy milk. <laughs> everything sticky. What if you got voted what off nine sti- two? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was unanimous. Uh, but uh, there's that one guy who liked the taste. <laughs> God, I've never had something like this before. Why? Is I leave the crown there. Like why is it so sticky? Um, oh fuck! But yeah, no. So so this season actually is funny because of there's been so many mental health like conversations surrounding Big Brother. This season they didn't do live cams. Um, it's that which is like that's Big Brother. Like that's yeah. being able to tune in at any time and watch the game. Like that was the whole Big Brother concept, mm-hmm. and they scrapped it because of the whole idea of like people clipping stuff, taking it out of context, and then like trying to cancel people who they didn't like. That was wow. one of the things. Like there was a bunch wow. of different things. Yeah, but right. Right. I mean, wise, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, at this, at the time that we live in now, yeah. Big Brother just see like Big Brother seems like if you're someone who's like, you know what, I'd love to get canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll go on Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> also, if people I just who have don't want to get listening canceled. <laughs> to me and watching me twenty four seven, there's guaranteed to be something that I do that at least one person out there will think. That's a cancelable, a cancelable offense, mm. and then that's all you need, and then the yeah. fucking floodgates open, and yeah. Um, I think there should be some sort of like post reality TV uh, like support group. Um, I was I was just recently um, one of it's my called guild- intervention. It's an Annie. <laughs> yeah, it's an Annie yeah. show. It's another it's reality, reality show. show. It's, it's fucking. It's yeah. so good. Reality TV uh, really really coming this month. One of my uh, <laughs> one of my guilty pleasures is uh, what or listening to the Back to the Beach podcast. Okay, uh, which is. Stephen 
uh, Coletti and Chris and Cavallari from Laguna Beach, uh, and they're re-watching... Right, you sound like you should be on Big Brother. Uh, anyway. I um, actually don't know who these people are. I just so, heard the... <laughs> in my ears. <laughs> Couldn't help so, it. So I told you, it's my guilty pleasure, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm being vulnerable. Sex on the Beach or X on the, X on the Beach? Laguna Beach. Laguna uh, Beach, Kyle's yeah. a Zoomer, dude. Do you think Kyle fucking Dude, Laguna Beach was the precursor to the hills. Yeah. You know the hills? So, I do. I've heard of it. I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah. So, so I really liked uh, watching Laguna Beach. It's not Beach. a bad thing. But the interesting Kyle. thing, listening back to the Back to the Beach podcast, they're, mm. they're re-watching the episodes, and this came out 20 years ago. Yeah. And when they're re-watching the episodes, um, I think the thing I like so much about the podcast is you're listening to people who have lived life now, who aren't in high school, yeah. who are reflecting back on this produced version of their lives mm-hmm. that... Be like very much became the sort of narrative of who they were. Yeah, and I like listening back to this. Like, sort of, they they didn't watch the shows when they came out either, and they didn't watch them for twenty years. But they're now rewatching them and sort of commenting on the things that are going on. And it's really oh, interesting God, to get that sort of so like cringe. behind the scenes yeah. look at reality television and to hear like vulnerable conversation about mm-hmm. like how much <clears throat> that can fuck you up. Yeah. yeah. It's wild Even to think that they didn't mental illnesses. It's yeah. wild to think that they didn't watch the shows because because for those characters specifically, they also went on to do like another reality TV show after that which based defined like defined their lives as just mm-hmm. like public figures for in Hollywood and and it's like if you don't watch the shows then you've got like no idea what people are commenting on. Yeah. So you're, I yeah. think because you're like, these people are talking about a different version. But to be fair though, and and uh, I think like one thing that... It's like if everybody got mad at Leonardo DiCaprio's character in, uh, in Django Unchained because that's who he <laughs> was. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, listen guys, real different. <laughs> real different. I only like fucking 20 year olds. I mean, like, let's just keep it straight here. I, I only need let's one thing on the for you stuff here. Um, but, but Kyle, I'm curious about this because like one thing that they did that, that, that I noticed they talk about a lot is like, mm-hmm. they were like, well, fuck this, you know, in hindsight, the opportunity wasn't so great for my mental health, mm. but I obviously want to take advantage of, you know, the, the, the publicity or eyes yeah. on, on me in this moment. And so I'm curious, like, did you, did you see any side benefits for like life's a wreck or, Anything else that like that was positive, or did people just fucking hate you because of <laughs> being the heel in the show? Uh, oh God, yeah, there was there was some benefits, not nearly as much as I was thinking. I went on that show to like change my life. Yeah, I did not change my life. And this is I, there was a piece of advice that I gave to like I put out like a tweet or a, 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 maybe it was like one, on one of my Wednesdays of Rex where um, which by the way I talked to my community. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Cover that from earlier, um, but. Uh, I told people, I was like, if you want to go to play the game, go. But if you want to go to change your life, don't go. Yeah. Because it's not like it's not as big as you think it's going to be. And like that was I actually broke a relationship off before I went in the house because I was like, oh, like, I don't know what my life's going to be like after. And like, I don't know what's going to happen on the show. I don't know what like things. And I'm like, in hindsight, I was like, what the fuck am I thinking? Like, I'm just like, I'm you know, I was changing like mm-hmm. so many aspects of my business, the podcast to like reflect massive change. And then like I got off the show and I was just like, and I'm fucking traumatized and I got nothing to like, you know, there's no like the biggest bump in listenership I got was from the fucking Kyle Moore mix up a year ago before yeah, I even got on yeah. the show. So it was like after I was on the show, it was like things just kind of like, again, I got another like another bump. Um, but like not really. And there was like even like speaking arrangements and that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, like I'll go and I'll talk about mental health to like high school kids or that kind of stuff. And um, I started looking into that and and it was definitely one of those things where like I had had like a um, 
somebody had mentioned they were like, oh, like I put your name into Twitter the other day. Like people don't like are you. you. Yeah, like that was kind of what it was. It was like, yeah, like there's a lot of like people who just fucking hate your guts and like yeah. are saying some like really some are saying some things about you that make us not want to like platform yeah. like you. It's like <gasps> Did you have any fans? Yeah, a couple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some people love the chaos. Yeah. Uh, Only yeah. fans? Yeah. Oh, dude. My God. You'd be that was like behind the behind the like your scum of the earth, it was like, when's the OnlyFans drop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to drive you to a place where you're like, well, I guess I'm just gonna do it. I, I mean, I'm just tra- traumatized. I might as well fucking show everybody my asshole. And see where that gets me. Um, do you love me now, Canada? <laughs> Look into it. Um, I uh, I mean, well, uh, I'll say this guy. Uh, we're your fans. Hey, thank you guys. We're, we're big fans. Of you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, and I'm a big I, fan of you guys. I think you guys you're. You know, I think you're. I think you're really solid, dude. And I thank think you. what you're doing is important. And uh, especially, you know, it's been, like we're we're getting we're not so we're not uh, we're not so young. You know, like we're we're kind of we're almost we middle aged. We're kind of getting old. Taylor's a fucking kid. I groan when I get up. Brian's like, Brian's probably you. gonna dye his hair next week to like try to try to fucking hold on to something. Probably. And, <laughs> and, Actually, probably. You know, yeah. I mean, fair. So we're sitting here with this like young fucking. You, you know, you're still you're a kid. You're still a kid. Yeah. yeah. And you're you're doing really you're doing really important stuff. And and like I said, like you're you are you're a zoomer. You're like you're in that you're in that category. And um. You are, you know, you're the generation behind us that mm-hmm. needs to learn from what we have like learned and what we've mm-hmm. fucked up. And, and God knows, like when we were growing up talking about mental health was probably just as fucking foreign and fucked up as our parents. And so to see someone young potentially having an effect on people even younger than you mm-hmm. is like, it's a really beautiful thing. And so again, we're fans. We're stoked that you're here to t- chat Thank with you. us today. Um, one final like two part question. Sure. Uh, what would you say is the biggest thing that your your struggles with mental health has taken away from you? Mm, taken away from me. Yeah. Wow. Really interesting. Um, because I've never thought about it that way. Uh, well, no. Okay. Sh- fair. Um, I would say that what mental health took away from me was was being a kid. Mm-hmm. I never really felt like I was a kid because like I was just worried about everything. And I was like, are, you know, are my parents okay? Is my sister okay? I have to check everything. Like I have to be the responsible one, mm-hmm. even though everybody was looking out for me. So it definitely took away a lot of that, just like pure bliss, childhood joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really got to experience that like easy going, just be a kid and just be a kid. I was, my parents told me that all growing, just be a kid, just be a kid. I was like, I don't know fucking how. Yeah. Um, so my mental health definitely took away like formative years of my childhood for sure. What would, you, what would you say is the biggest thing that's given you? It's given me everything. Like it's, I would like, I just, I don't think I'd be able to appreciate this existence that I've been so fortunate to be gifted if it wasn't for going through the, the, the ups and downs, the, the trials and tribulations. And, and, you know, even like the big brother experience, like that was, I'm so thankful for that experience because like at the end of the day, you know, I had the opportunity as a 20, I was 23 at the time of being on the show. It was like on my way being 24. And I'm like a 23 year old kid who has struggled with like hating himself for like years and years and years of his life. And now with like his worst fears are realized. And I had the opportunity to like stand up in front of that and just be like, 
I like who I am. Like, mm-hmm. I love who I love who I've become. And like, I don't need anybody externally to like validate that because like, I'm solid now. Ooh. And so that was a very profound experience for me. And like, it gave me a lot of self-confidence and it was like, I can fucking take on anything. Like this is, it was beautiful. So yeah, I, I think that it's, it's truly, it's just given me anything and everything that I could ever imagine. Um, mm-hmm. The pain was, it's, I, it's what was worth it. I know it's corny and fucking, there's so many people out there who like, you know, say that kind of stuff and you're like, oh, whatever. But like, it sucked for a long, long time. And I would go back and do it again. I say the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, corny or not, it's fucking true for some people. Mm -hmm. So dude, being able to say that you love yourself, that's the fucking, that's it. Yeah, that yeah. is it. And wait till you get wait till you get old though. Then like it, you start it, it evolves. And shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. hey, dude, I told you I, I didn't have a childhood, man. I'm already like <laughs> yeah. middle age. Yeah, you just you just got that young buck fucking confidence. Wait, wait till <laughs> we tell you we tell you we tell you fart and shit yourself <laughs> at work one day, and then go fuck. I'm a piece of shit. Hey, uh, Kyle, <laughs> literally, we we just want to say that we love you and we'll see oh. you later. Thank you guys. Did yeah, was that the right that. cadence? Or yeah. should, should we reset? <laughs> i love you guys too man i and i i gotta say before i go like sick boy was a was a podcast that early on into my podcasting journey uh i came across the work that you guys were doing and seeing like young men talk about sickness it was like more profound than i think you guys could ever really know um so i want you to know that like what you guys have done has been like it's it's had a very like it's an unbelievable effect on my life and um there are so many people out there who like I've just been like really like transformed by the just mm. you guys having these conversations and so you know from from both me now as a podcaster and somebody in the space but also from that childhood me who needed to see you guys who needed to have role models like you guys to feel like seen and accepting all those things like thank you for all the work that you guys do because it's it's been amazing well thanks yeah, this has been uh, a real treat and uh, look forward to having you on the show again sometime love in the to. future yeah. yeah yeah that'd be great Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.